Section 4 of The History of Emily Montague, Volume 4, by Francis Moore Brooke. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letters 208 through 216. Letter 208. To Colonel Rivers, October 28th. The story you have told me has equally shocked and astonished me. My sweet bell has dropped a pitying tear on poor Sophia's grave. Thank heaven! We meet with few minds like that of Sir Charles Verville. Such a degree of savage insensibility is unnatural. The human heart is created weak, not wicked, avid of pleasure and of gain, but with a mixture of benevolence which prevents our seeking either to the destruction of others. Nothing can be more false than that we are naturally inclined to evil. We are indeed naturally inclined to gratify the selfish passions of every kind, but those passions are not evil in themselves, but only become so from excess. The malevolent passions are not inherent in our nature. They are only to be acquired by degrees, and generally are born from chagrin and disappointment. A wicked character is a depraved one. What must this unhappy girl have suffered? No misery can equal the struggles of a virtuous mind wishing to act in a manner becoming its own dignity, yet carried by passions to do otherwise. One o'clock. I have been at Sir William Verville's, who is at Bath. I will write and enclose the letter to him this evening. You shall have his answer the moment I receive it. We are going to dine at Richmond with Lord H., Adieu, my dear Rivers. Bell complains you have never answered her letter. I own I thought you a man of more gallantry than to neglect a lady. Adieu, your faithful J. Fitzgerald. Letter 209 To Captain Fitzgerald, Belfield, October 30 I'm very impatient, my dear friend, till you hear from Sir William, though I have no doubt of his acting as he ought our cottagers shall not leave us till their fate is determined i have not told miss williams the step i have taken emily is more and more pleased with this amiable girl i wish extremely to be able to keep her here as an agreeable companion of her own age and sex whose ideas are similar and who from being in the same season of life sees things in the same point of view is all that is wanting to emily's happiness tis impossible to mention similarity of ideas without observing how exactly ours coincide in all my acquaintance with mankind i never yet met a mind so nearly resembling my own a tie of affection much stronger than all your merit would be without that similarity i agree with you that mankind are born virtuous and that it is education and example which make them otherwise the believing other men knaves is not only the way to make them so but is also an infallible method of becoming such ourselves a false and ill-judged method of instruction by which we imbibe prejudices instead of truths makes us regard the human race as beasts of prey not as brothers united by one common bond and promoting the general interest by pursuing our own particular one there is nothing of which i am more convinced than that true self-love and social are the same that those passions which make the happiness of individuals tend directly to the general good of the species the beneficent author of nature has made 
public and private happiness the same man has in vain endeavoured to divide them but in the endeavour he has almost destroyed both tis with pain i say that the business of legislation in most countries seems to have been to counterwork this wise order of providence which has ordained that we shall make others happy in being so ourselves this is in nothing so glaring as in the point on which not only the happiness but the virtue of almost the whole human race is concerned i mean marriage the restraints on which in almost every country not only tend to encourage celibacy and a destructive libertinism the consequence of it to give fresh strength to domestic tyranny and subject the generous affections of uncorrupted youth to the guidance of those in whom every motive to action but avarice is dead to condemn the blameless victims of duty to a life of indifference of disgust and possibly of guilt but by opposing the very spirit of our constitution throwing property into a few hands and favouring that excessive inequality which renders one part of the species wretched without adding to the happiness of the other to destroy at once the domestic felicity of individuals contradict the will of the supreme being as clearly wrote in the book of nature and sap the very foundations of the most perfect form of government on earth a pretty long-winded period this bell would call it true ciceronian and quote rivers for a period of a mile but to proceed the only equality to which parents in general attend is that of fortune whereas a resemblance in age and temper in personal attractions in birth and education understanding and sentiment are the only foundations of that lively taste that tender friendship without which no union deserves the sacred name of marriage timid compliant youth may be forced into the arms of age and disease a lord may invite a citizen's daughter he despises to his bed to repair a shattered fortune and she may accept him allured by the rays of a coronet but such conjunctions are only a more shameful species of prostitution men who marry from interested motives are inexcusable but the very modesty of women makes against their happiness in this point by giving them a kind of bashful fear of objecting to such persons as their parents recommend as proper objects of their tenderness i am prevented by company from saying all i intended adieu your faithful ed rivers letter two hundred and ten to colonel rivers temple house november the first you wrong me excessively my dear rivers in accusing me of a natural levity in love and friendship as to the latter my frequent changes which i freely acknowledge have not been owing to any inconstancy but to precipitation and want of caution in contracting them my general fault has been the folly of choosing my friends for some striking and agreeable accomplishment instead of giving to solid merit the preference which most certainly is its due my inconstancy in love has been merely from vanity there is something so flattering in the general favour of women that it requires great firmness of mind to resist that kind of gallantry which indulges it though absolutely destructive to real happiness i blush to say that when i first married 
i have more than once been in danger from the mere boyish desire of conquest notwithstanding my adoration for your lovely sister such is the force of habit for i must have been infinitely a loser by changing i am now perfectly safe my vanity has taken another turn i pique myself on keeping the heart of the loveliest woman that ever existed as a nobler conquest than attracting the notice of a hundred coquettes who would be equally flattered by the attentions of any other man at least by any other man who had the good fortune to be fashionable everything conspires to keep me in the road of domestic happiness the manner of life i am engaged in your friendship your example and society and the very fear i am in of losing your esteem that i have the seeds of constancy in my nature i call on you and your lovely sister to witness i have been your friend from almost infancy and i am every hour more her lover she is my friend my companion as well as mistress her wit her sprightliness her pleasing kind of knowledge fill with delight those hours which are so tedious with a fool however lovely with my lucy possession can never cure the wounded heart her modesty her angel purity of mind and person render her literally my ever new delight she has convinced me that if beauty is the mother delicacy is the nurse of love venus has lent her her cestus and shares with her the attendance of the graces my vagrant passions like the rays of the sun collected in a burning glass are now united in one point lucy is here adieu i must not let her know her power you spend to-morrow with us we have a little ball and are to have a masquerade next week lucy wants to consult emily on her dress you and i are not to be in the secret we have wrote to ask the fitzgeralds to the masquerade i will send lucy's postcoach for them the day before or perhaps fetch them myself adieu your affectionate j temple letter two hundred and eleven to captain fitzgerald belfield november one i have this moment a letter from temple which has set my heart at rest he writes like a lover yet owns his past danger with a frankness which speaks more strongly than any professions could do the real present state of his heart my anxiety for my sister has a little broke in on my own happiness in england where the married women are in general the most virtuous in the world it is of infinite consequence they should love their husbands and be beloved by them in countries where gallantry is more permitted it is less necessary 
temple will make her happy whilst she preserves his heart but if she loses it everything is to be feared from the vivacity of his nature which can never support one moment a life of indifference he has that warmth of temper which is the natural soil of the virtues but which is unhappily at the same time most apt to produce indiscretions tame cold dispassionate minds resemble barren lands warm animated ones rich ground which if properly cultivated yields the noblest fruit but if neglected from its luxuriance is most productive of weeds his misfortune has been losing both his parents when almost an infant and having been master of himself and a noble fortune at an age when the passions hurry us beyond the bounds of reason i am the only person on earth by whom he would ever bear to be controlled in anything happily for lucy i preserve the influence over him which friendship first gave me that influence and her extreme attention to study his taste in everything with those uncommon graces both of mind and person she has received from nature will i hope effectually fix this wandering star she tells me she has asked you to a masquerade at temple house to which you will extremely oblige us all by coming you do not tell us whether the affair of your majority is settled if obliged to return immediately temple will send you back adieu your faithful ed rivers i have this moment your last letter you are right we american travellers are under great disadvantages our imaginations are restrained we have not the pomp of the orient to describe but the simple and unadorned charms of nature letter two hundred twelve to colonel rivers belfield rutland november fourth sir william verville is coming back to town i was with him this morning he desires to see the child he tells me his brother in his last moments mentioned this story in all the agony of remorse and begged him to provide for the little innocent if to be found that he had made many inquiries but hitherto in vain and that he thought himself happy in the discovery he talks of settling three thousand pounds on the child and taking the care of educating him into his own hands i hinted at some little provision for the amiable girl who had saved him from perishing and had the pleasure to find sir william listen to me with attention i am sorry it is not possible for me to be at your masquerade but my affair is just at the crisis bell expects a particular account of it from mrs rivers and desires to be immediately in the secret of the lady's dresses though you are not she begs you will send your fair cottager and a little charge to us and we will take care to introduce them properly to sir william i am too much hurried to say more adieu my dear rivers your affectionate j fitzgerald letter two hundred thirteen to mrs fitzgerald november eight yes my dear bell politeness is undoubtedly a moral virtue as we are beings formed for and not capable of being happy without society it is the duty of every one to endeavour to make it as easy and agreeable as they can which is only to be done by such an attention to others as is consistent with what we owe to ourselves all we give them in civility will be repaid us in respect insolence and ill-breeding are detestable to all mankind i long to see you my dear bell the delight i have in your society has spoiled my relish for that of mere acquaintance however agreeable 
"'Tis dangerous to indulge in the pleasures of friendship. They weaken one's taste too much for common conversation. Yet what other pleasures are worth the name? What others have spirit and delicacy, too? I am preparing for the masquerade, which is to be the 18th. I am extremely disappointed you will not be with us. My dress is simple and unornamented, but I think becoming and prettily fancied. It is that of a French paysan. Lucy is to be a sultana, blazing with diamonds. My mother, a Roman matron. I choose this dress because I have heard my dear Rivers admire it. To be one moment more pleasing in his eyes is an object worthy all my attention. Adieu, your faithful Emily Rivers. Letter 214 To Mrs. Rivers, Belfield, Rutland. London, November the 10th. Certainly, my dear, friendship is a mighty pretty invention, and, next to love, gives of all things the greatest spirit to society. And yet the prudery of the age will hardly allow us poor women even this pleasure, innocent as it is. I remember my aunt Cecily, who died at sixty-six without ever having felt the least spark of attention for any human being, used to tell me a prudent modest woman never loved anything but herself. For my part, I think all the kind propensities of the heart ought rather to be cherished than checked, that one is allowed to esteem merit even in the naughty creature, man. I love you very sincerely, Emily, but I like friendships for the men best, and think prudery, by forbidding them, robs us of some of the most lively as well as innocent pleasures of the heart. That desire of pleasing, which one feels much the most strongly for a male friend, is in itself a very agreeable emotion. You will say I am a coquette even in friendship, and I am not quite sure you are not in the right. I am extremely in love with my husband, yet choose other men should regard me with complacency. I am as fond of attracting the attention of the dear creatures as ever, and though I do justice to your wit, understanding, sentiment, and all that, prefer Rivers's conversation infinitely to yours. Women cannot say civil things to each other, and if they could, they would be something insipid, whereas a male friend, tis absolutely another thing, my dear, and the first system of ethics I write will have a hundred pages on the subject. Observe, my dear, I have not the least objection to your having a friendship for Fitzgerald. I am the best-natured creature in the world, and the fondest of increasing the circle of my husband's innocent amusements. Apropos to innocent amusements, I think your fair sister-in-law an exquisite politician. Calling the pleasures to Temple at home is the best method in the world to prevent his going abroad in pursuit of them. I am mortified I cannot be at your masquerade. It is my passion, and I have the prettiest dress in the world by me. I am half inclined to elope for a day or two. Adieu, your faithful A. Fitzgerald. Letter 215 To Captain Fitzgerald, Belfield, November 12 Please to inform the little bell. I won't allow her to spoil my Emily. I enter a caveat against male friendships which are only fit for ladies of the salamandrine order. I desire to engross all Emily's kind propensities to myself. 
and should grudge the least share in her heart or if you please in her friendship to an archangel however not to be too severe since prudery expects women to have no propensities at all i allow single ladies of all ranks sizes ages and complexions to spread the veil of friendship between their hearts and the world tis the finest day i ever saw though the middle of november a dry soft west wind the air as mild as an april and an almost canadian sunshine i have been bathing in the clear stream at the end of my garden the same stream in which i laved my careless bosom at thirteen an idea which gave me inconceivable delight and the more as my bosom is as gay and tranquil at this moment as in those dear hours of cheerfulness and innocence of all local prejudices that is the strongest as well as most pleasing which attaches us to the place of our birth sweet home only seat of true and genuine happiness i am extremely in the humour to write a poem to the household gods we neglect these amiable deities but they are revenged true pleasure is only to be found under their auspices i know not how it is my dear fitzgerald but i don't find my passion for the country abate i still find the scenes around me lovely though from the change of season less smiling than when i first fixed at belfield we have rural business enough to amuse not embarrass us we have a small but excellent library of books given us by my mother she and emily are two of the most pleasing companions on earth the neighbourhood is full of agreeable people and what should always be attended to in fixing in the country of fortunes not superior to our own the evenings grow long but they are only the more jovial i love the pleasures of the table not for their own sakes for no man is more indifferent on this subject but because they promote social convivial joy and bring people together in good humour with themselves and each other my emily's suppers are enchanting but our little income obliges us to have few if i was rich this would be my principal extravagance to fill up my measure of content emily is pleased with my retirement and finds all her happiness in my affection we are so little alone that i find our moments of unreserved conversation too short whenever i leave her i recollect a thousand things i have to say a thousand new ideas to communicate and am impatient for the hour of seeing again without restraint the most amiable and pleasing of womankind my happiness would be complete if i did not sometimes see a cloud of anxiety on that dear countenance which however is dissipated the moment my eyes meet hers i am going to temples and the chaise is at the door adieu my dear friend your affectionate ed rivers letter two hundred and sixteen to colonel rivers november the fourteenth so you disapprove male friendship my sweet colonel i thought you had better ideas of things in general fitzgerald and i have been disputing on french and english manners in regard to gallantry the great question is whether a man is more hurt by the imprudent conduct of his daughter or his wife much may be said on both sides there is some hazard in suffering coquetry in either both contribute to give charms to conversation and introduce ease and politeness into society but both are dangerous to manners our customs however are most likely to produce good effects as they give opportunity for love marriages the only ones which can make worthy minds happy 
the coquetry of single women has a point of view consistent with honour that of married women has generally no point of view at all it is however of use pour passer la tempe as to real gallantry the french style depraves the mind of men least ours is more favourable to the peace of families i think i preserve the balance of argument admirably my opinion however is that if people married from affection there would be no such things as gallantry at all pride and the parade of life destroy all happiness our whole felicity depends on our choice in marriage yet we choose from motives more trifling than would determine us in the common affairs of life i knew a gentleman who fancied himself in love yet delayed marrying his mistress till he could afford a set of plate modern manners are very unfavourable to the tender affections ancient lovers had only dragons to combat ours have the worst monsters of avarice and ambition as i shall say further on the subject is that the two happiest people i ever knew were a country clergyman and his wife whose whole income did not exceed one hundred pounds a year a pretty philosophical sentimental dull kind of epistle this but you deserve it for not answering my last which was divine i am pleased with emily's ideas about her dress at the masquerade it is a proof you are still lovers i remember the first symptoms i discovered of my tendress for fitzgerald was my excessive attention to this article i have tried on twenty different caps when i expected him at Soleri. before we drop the subject of gallantries i must tell you i am charmed with you and my sposo for never giving the least hint before emily and me that you have had any it is a piece of delicacy which convinces me of your tenderness more than all the vows that ever lovers broke would do i have been hurt at the contrary behaviour in temple and have observed lucy to be so too though her excessive attention not to give him pain prevented her shewing it i have on such an occasion seen a smile on her countenance and a tear of tender regret starting into her eyes a woman who has vanity without affection will be pleased to hear of your past conquests and regard them as victims immolated to her superior charms to her therefore it is right to talk of them but to flatter the heart and give delight to a woman who truly loves you should appear too much taken up with the present passion to look back to the past you should not even present to her imagination the thought that you have had other engagements we know such things are but had rather the idea should not be awakened i may be wrong but i speak from my own feelings I am excessively pleased with a thought I met in a little French novel. Un homme qui ne peut plus compter ses bonnes fortunes est de tout celui qui conduit les moins les faveurs. C'est le cœur qui les accorde, et ce n'est pas le cœur qu'un homme à la mode dresse. Plus on les prend par la femme, plus il est facile de les avoir, mais moins il est possible de les enflammer to which truth i most heartily set my hand twelve o'clock i have just heard from your sister who tells me emily is turned a little natural philosopher reads ray 
Durham, and fifty other strange old fellows that no one ever heard of, and is eternally poring through a microscope to discover the wonders of creation. How amazingly learned matrimony makes young ladies! I suppose we shall have a volume of her discoveries by and by. She says, too, you have little pets like sweethearts, quarrel and make it up again in the most engaging manner in the world. This is just what I want to bring Fitzgerald to, but the perverse monkey won't quarrel with me. Do all I can. I am sure this is not my fault, for I give him reason every day of his life. Shenstone says admirably that reconciliation is the tenderest part of love and friendship. The soul here discovers a kind of elasticity, and, being forced back, returns with an additional violence. Who would not quarrel for the pleasure of reconciliation? I shall be very angry with Fitzgerald if he goes on in this mild way. Tell your sister she cannot be more mortified than I am that it is impossible for me to be at her masquerade. Adieu, your affectionate A. Fitzgerald. Don't you think, my dear Rivers, that marriage, on prudent principles, is a horrid sort of affair? It is really cruel of papas and mammas to shut up two poor, innocent creatures in a house together, to plague and torment one another, who might have been very happy separate. Where people take their own time, and choose for themselves, it is another affair, and I begin to think it possible affection may last through life. I sometimes fancy to myself Fitzgerald and I loving on, from the impassioned hour when I first honoured him with my hand, to that tranquil one, when we shall take our afternoon's nap vis-à-vis -vis in two armchairs by the fireside, he a grave country justice, and I his worship's good sort of a wife, the lady bountiful of the parish. I have a notion there is nothing so very shocking in being an oldish gentlewoman. What one loses in charms is made up in the happy liberty of doing and saying whatever one pleases. Adieu. End of section four.